Hey there, e-commerce entrepreneurs. My name is Ben Thomas, and I'm the host of e-commerce Behind the Scenes. In this interview, I spoke with Lane Mitchell, who talks about coffee farms in underdeveloped countries and seeing the spots for improvement, making the environment a kinder place, plus her chance to empower women with what many consider a basic need, coffee. Let's hear from Lane as she shares the story about Cafe Femenino. So today I have with me Lane Mitchell. Lane, would you just tell me about your coffee company? Was there a, like a story that got you interested in doing a collaboration? Yeah, absolutely. So the coffee is Cafe Femenino Coffee, means women's coffee in Spanish. And I got involved in coffee several careers ago. So once I graduated from university, I got into investment banking. And through that work, I spent a great deal of time in Central America and South America two of the main places that coffee is grown. As, as things evolved in those countries, I had the opportunity to, during weekends and during the, the four or five or six hours a week that we had off as investment bankers to, to drive up the mountains and to visit coffee farms in places like uh, Brazil, and Guatemala, Mexico, Peru, Colombia, places like that, and had a, a chance firsthand to experience life on coffee farms. In my experience in Brazil, um, Brazil is a very unique country in that harvests are done through mechanical processing. So there are very large, usually red, machines that that grab hold of the, the, the trunks and lower part of the coffee tree and shake it violently so that all the coffee cherries can fling out and go into a, a dump truck type um, container. And walking nearby when this was happening in Brazil, and this is really the only country in which the mechanical harvesting is the most popular. So walking by, um, the mechanical processing vehicles as they were harvesting coffee, uh, it, it kind of felt like little earthquakes under my foot because the the machines were, you know, fairly violently shaking the trees to remove the coffee cherries from the trees. And I thought at that point, and this was, you know, several decades ago, that this certainly can't be good for the environment, and it can't be good for the tree, and it can't be good for those sweet little bees, and it can't be good for all of the beneficial insects that that are super important to the ecosystem of coffee, and it certainly can't be good for the people. So, so that was a, a really early introduction to the world of of specialty coffee and and you know through my career I you know worked in investment banking for 10 years and and spent so much time down in those in those countries where coffee is grown and then went into advertising and marketing um, website development things like that I finally was at a point in my career in my life where I could circle back into something that I really enjoyed to do that thing was coffee and specialty coffee and that that instance of being on a coffee farm in Brazil and, and seeing the mechanical harvesting really shaped 
how I felt about my, my career evolution at that point. And I said, my goodness, I might be able to do something to make the world of specialty coffee just a little bit kinder to the environment, just a little bit kinder to the people um, who work in specialty coffee, and just a little um, better for all of us who drink coffee every single morning um, just to wake up. And so that was the impetus for kind of how I I evolved as a, a professional and I became involved in Cafe Feminino, which really focuses on women's coffee and empowering women's coffee. That was my outlet through um, focusing on the social justice and um, social sustainability elements of coffee. That was kind of where I, I progressed and that's how Cafe Feminino came about. An incredible story. It sounds like uh, the earthquake gave you an idea. It's like a comic <laughs> or like a comic strip, yeah? Yes, indeed. Like, ding, indeed. ding, 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 know, ding, ding. Just ding. See the steps. <laughs> <laughs> Women have been really important in the process of growing coffee. So coffee is grown generally between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn, mostly around the equator. And to grow healthy coffee, you need fairly consistent temperature levels. So generally it grows around, you know, 64 to 72 degrees um, Fahrenheit, not Celsius. In order to, to have that, it kind of grows high on the mountains. So you'll see coffee being grown in places where there are fairly high mountains, where there are generally slightly colder nights and generally slightly hot, hotter days, but generally the, the temperature swing isn't that great. Most of coffee is, is, is grown in what we call the, the coffee region or the coffee belt. And in those countries, whether it be Central America, South America, Indonesia, Ethiopia, places in, 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 in the southern part of, of South America, coffee is grown generally in places where women aren't allowed to own land. So they might do between 40 to 60 percent of all the labor on coffee farms and so all of the planting and the the weeding and the picking and the sorting and all that jazz but because they don't own the land they don't generally own the fruit of the land and so they have to give their harvest up to the men of the household they either their father if they're younger their husband their eldest son who generally takes those beans to market and sells them and gets paid for them but because the women don't own the fruit of the land. They don't own the the proceeds from it. They don't they don't generally own the the payment uh, for those beans. And so, oftentimes in in those communities where coffee is grown, the men you know go out and do things men do in communities where the women and children aren't around and and spend a good deal of the money in consumerism ways, which is really great for the local economy. But sometimes that that money doesn't get back to the farm and it doesn't get back to the family, and it doesn't get back to the children. The women and children, generally speaking, in coffee lands live in abject poverty. Once this is realized, this is to make a difference um, in the lives of the women, the lives of the children, the lives of the families, and the lives of the communities. And that, that was the impetus for the Cafe Feminino brand. It's the impetus for the Cafe Feminino business model. Yeah, incredible. Is is this something that came about like even at the very start, like working with women? Yeah, it really, really yeah. did. It's really interesting how the idea came about it because 464 women farmers um, in the northern part of Peru 
decided to change the dynamic of coffee and they decided to stand for something more. They decided to stand up for themselves. They decided to stand up for their communities. They decided to stand up for the idea that women should get paid fairly for their work. And it was a, just a revolutionary idea in coffee communities and especially this coffee community. And so what they did is these 464 women, farmers, separated the beans that they harvested from the beans that the men of their household harvested. They came together and they put them in the bag called Cafe Feminina, which means women's coffee in Spanish. And they took them to the marketplace and sold them to an exporter. And the exporter paid them directly. And, and this was the first time that they had ever been paid for their work ever in their lives. And some of them had been doing coffee since they, since they were knee high to a cricket. So since they were teeny weeny kids, like two and a half, three years old, they were out there in the farms picking coffee and sorting. Some of them had been in the world of coffee for 40, 50, 60 years. You know, they were 60, 70, 80, 80 year old women. And they had never before been paid for their work. Of course, being paid for your work made such a transformation in how these women um, felt about themselves, their self-worth, and how these women were viewed in their community. They were viewed as somebody who had the ability to earn money, who had the respect of the community, who had the respect of the household. Simplify this, they had a voice now because they were being paid. That was the beginning of it. This was back in 2003, 2004, and it happened again, and they did it again, and they did it again. The entire coffee community kind of um, gathered around them because this is a super important idea that women should get paid for their work. A completely new ecosystem, a completely new business model was developed around this idea, and the business model involved women actually owning the land that they farmed, which was super, even today, you know, 20 years later, super unique where women actually own the deed to the land that they farm. Women would get paid directly for their work and women would have a leadership position in their communities. That was kind of the business model in, in exchange what the, the international coffee community and I and the people did was just to help them become better at what they did. So help them develop organic certification for their product, help them develop fair trade certification for their product, help them with all of the intricacies of running a business. So, you know, whether it's being able to work online or Excel documents or tax paying or hiring people, you know, all of that stuff that comes with running a business, whether it's in Guatemala or it's in New York City is the same and providing the women the ability and the education and the resources to be able to run a profitable business and also be able to sell their product on the international marketplace. So to be able to sell it to folks um, who buy green coffee in New York or London or Geneva or, you know, China, just giving them the ability to do that. You know, today they have the ability right now, you know, it started with uh, 464 women in Peru. 
Right now we work with over 5,000 women in nine countries. And every day that we can encourage people to buy coffee that's farmed by women through Cafe Feminino, we are able to onboard a new woman and enable a new woman to have a, a, a future that's much different than the future she had before. It's like uh, you basically gave them the power to uni unionize, yeah? Yeah, in a way, and a power to, to gain, to, to realize the power within, right? Because these, these women always had the power to run their own business. They always had the power to, to sell their, their product on the international markets, but they never had the opportunity. And so what we gave them was the opportunity to do this in a, in a, really, a, a really profound way. I don't know if you are involved in this, but you collaborate with the Cafe Feminino Foundation? Yeah, so, I don't know if that's something you started. So Cafe Feminino Foundation came out of the beginning of the Cafe Feminino business model or ideal or idea or however you want to, the revolution, shall we say. So Cafe Feminino Foundation is a foundation in which money is donated to a group and the women control all the money. The women of Cafe Feminino decide how the money is going to be used. Some women's groups use it, for example, for healthcare or for schooling, for, I mean, in the most recent year, they used a lot of the monies for COVID relief and, and things like masks and healthcare around COVID. They use it for things like beekeeping, ways to diversify their, their income stream. You know, what we do is we donate 5% of every pound of the Cafe Feminino roasted coffee to Cafe Feminino Foundation and that money is completely available to the women of Cafe Feminino to use any which way they want with community projects, anything from healthcare to education to business development to agricultural products, projects, anything they want. Wow, so they have total freedom. That's amazing. So like you also have like a, a local branch, Joe Van Gogh. Is that a local like yeah. shop? So Joe Van Gogh is a specialty coffee roaster um, and retailer based in North Carolina. They actually roast and package the Cafe Feminino coffee. The costs involved in buying a roaster and buying a facility to to roast and package organic certified coffee is super expensive. And so what we've done is we have um, partnered with Joe Van Gogh and they actually roast our coffee, distribute it and support a lot of the sales and marketing for the Cafe Feminino Roasted Coffee brand. So Joe Van Gogh has been around since 1991. It was one of the first specialty coffee roasters in North Carolina on the East Coast of the U.S. and roast under their own brand, Joe Van Gogh, roast under many different brands in the marketplace. Tell me a little bit about your experience with e-commerce. Was that something that you got into before the pandemic or just something you saw was happening and, and made a switch? Yeah, yeah. So my personal experience with e-commerce goes back, gosh, um, Unfortunately, 30 years, I hate to say that, but when I worked in investment banking, I worked at a, a company and this was back in the 90s and, and you know, the internet was just being born. And so personally, I, I came up with the idea that the investment bank should do online trading and so worked and, and sold that up to the, the board of this investment bank, and which was 
uh, Credit Suisse, First Boston at the time, and launched the first ever online trading platform for U.S. government. This was super revolutionary in the in the financial service marketplace because before that, you there were you know you see these 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 old movies where you have brokers that have two phones on their ears and you know one's talking to the buyer and one's talking to the seller trying to to transact a bond um, sale. And that's how it was done. So this online platform enabled immediate visibility, immediate disclosure, and immediate transactions of U.S. government bonds. And it was the very first platform ever in the world to do to do that thing. It eventually grew into something much, much, much bigger than that. Uh, but the technology was, was something that me and my team created at Credit Suisse. So, so I knew that was my kind of background in digital transactions for, you know, the, the broader sense. So when we, when, you know, fast forward 30 years later, when I'm looking at Cafe Feminino and, and wondering how to introduce this idea to consumers in the marketplace, obviously online buying was, you know, paramount to doing this. And so put together a Shopify site and, and started with the process of introducing a brand to the U.S. marketplace. So we, you know, we had been doing some sales of the Cafe Feminino idea under different brand names, but it had never um, before been presented to buyers, to consumers as a Cafe Feminino roasted product before 2019. So the strategy there was to put together an online site to do D2C transactions and also to focus on grocery and to focus on cafes, so independent cafes in the United States. And that, that was the beginning of it. So you do, you do direct-to-consumers but also wholesale. I, I saw some places yes. that you were listed in Kroger, I think it was. So the first time, you know, Cafe Feminino as a green coffee, which was kind of the, the fundamental unroasted variety of, of the product, um, was out there from 2004 to about 2019. And when we decided in 2018, 2019 to do a roasted product and Whole Foods realized the importance of what we were doing. And even before we were able to to print those bags and to print those labels to put our roasted coffee in, Whole Foods said, yes, we should have you on the shelf. And so we immediately, you know, obviously got our, our packaging done and, and got set up in Whole Foods and, and Whole Foods was our, our largest outlet for quite some time. We're in addition on Earth Fair, we're in Earth Fair shelves, we do Kroger, uh, Mariano's, Giant Food, Giant Eagle, Sprouts in the United States. And then outside of grocery, many, many, what we find is that chef-driven and high-end conscientious cafes and restaurants, retailers really do appreciate what it is that we're doing and appreciate the taste of what we're doing. And so we have a, a large number of retailers who are either coffee shops or cafes or restaurants, that kind of business who brew our coffee and or include our coffee on their shelves. Incredible. So what's next? Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe would you mind sharing as an owner of the company, what, what is your like a daily routine or like give me like a typical day of work? 
Yeah, so the daily routine starts with kind of what I call a stand-up with the team. So I, I like to check in on the team and see how they're doing and to, to kind of be the resource for them to answer questions. And then secondly, it is really about, for lack of a better word, getting the word out, you know, talking to potential buyers, talking to customers, working together in a collaborative fashion to see how we can all together get the idea out in the world and and super fortunate that it is an idea driven brand i mean the idea is truly that women should get paid fairly and regardless of who you are or where you are or what kind of business you are that seems like a really good thing to to strive for and so you know working with those folks who who care about the things we care about women's equality women's justice fair trade products, organic, high quality products, and, 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 and enabling us all to be better together by working together. So it's, it's very much, I call it an ecosystem because it takes us all in order to make the changes we need in the world to make us all. And, and facilitating those conversations, facilitating the information, facilitating the change is a super important part of my job, either you know, with the, with the team internally or externally in the world. Looking back over your career in coffee, was there like with the company, was there a specific step or maybe like, was there like some barrier that you found it hard to cross? Yeah. So I think the largest barrier has to do with customer understanding of the importance of the why it is we charge what we charge. Coffee is a commodity and there are you can go to any grocery store or any any place and get a pound of coffee for $4.99 and one has to ask how fresh is that coffee, how was that coffee grown, how was the coffee harvested, were the people who were involved in, in growing that coffee and processing that coffee, were they treated well, were they paid well, how was the land treated? How was, you know, did we do the right thing for the land? Certainly there are plenty of places where you can get coffee for $4.95, $5.95, $6.95, $7.95 a pound. And, and one just has to ask, is that the most prosperous thing we can do in the world? Or is the most prosperous thing we can do in the world for our people and our planet to pay an extra a dollar so that the people who work in coffee can survive? and they can feed their children well, and they can get health care they need, and they can have a roof over their heads. Is, is that a value proposition? And so helping people to understand that value proposition is really important. And when I got into this, I, I thought because of who I am that everybody should understand that. You know, everybody should, should it shouldn't be a hard thing to understand. And, and I find that oftentimes it takes more explanation that it might be available through a bag of coffee or a barista discussion with a customer or an, an article. It might just take a whole lot of time to get that point across that it's okay. It's probably even better to spend an extra dollar, an extra two dollars, so that everybody in the value chain can be treated fairly and everybody prosperous and everybody can have health care and everybody can have you know, nutritious food and all these things that make us make us a community and make us a, a group of people who care about each other. So maybe as a follow up, did you 
did you notice or did you notice like the t- the times changing where like people are more open to like supporting like uh, the whole chain or did you did you notice like a switch with the generation or something like this yeah so it's it's ongoing honestly it's 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 mostly an uphill battle but it is ongoing and i must say that covid and this is kind of a, an interesting kind of connection here but covid and its its impact worldwide i i think that had a change in people's perception because i think people started to understand that they're not islands and that what people around them do is really important. There was a, a really interesting change as we all started to care about each other's health, to care about whether or not each other was our family members or our uh, people who we work for in the community, our companies, our churches, you know, our bike clubs, whatever it was. We all started to actually realize that we're not an island, that we're all interconnected almost symbiotically uh, interconnected. And so there there was a small shift, especially in the second year as we went to COVID, where people started understanding they were all in this together, that, that the message of Cafe Feminino and the message of being able to care for people who we might not have ever met because they live in Guatemala and Peru and they make our coffee and all this jazz became something that um, somehow became understandable to a larger number of people. So that was really heartwarming. If you were speaking to yourself before you got started with coffee or like early on in, with e-commerce part, maybe there is something, some idea that you would give to like some someone new. Is there like one tip or maybe one mistake that you learned mm-hmm. that you could share? So the, the, the tip I, I always give people, and, and this is super important when we're dealing with e-commerce, is that, you know, traditional e-commerce business based on technology transactions. However, people really, really want interpersonal transactions. And so how do you, in the concept of e-commerce, where people are going on, on your website and buying bags of coffee, how do you transfer that experience? And what is around that experience that the people who are buying to have a, a personal connection with you in your brand? You know, there, there are tons of tools that you can do online chat and all these other things, you know, widgets that can customize what kind of coffee you want and there's subscriptions. And so there are all types of things you can do online. However, what is the environment? What is the ecosystem around that transaction and how can you use that ecosystem to better make the connection with the people who you want to buy your coffee or want to buy your product. I think you have to do things like events. You have to do things like, you know, in-person collaborations with folks. And so I, I think you have to try to make e-commerce more human. And that's, that's an evolution. What are some top metrics or I don't know if you do some tracking, um, like for your coffee business, do you do some specific tracking over the year? Or like, what's your goals that you, you're trying to hit? Yeah. So, so of course, engagement is important. Sales are important. I, I think more than that, though, is I'm using e-commerce and our Shopify site as a way to expand our connection. 
So what is the connection in the real world? What is the impact in the real world? And the e-commerce part is simply a part of, of the ecosystem of connecting people to a broader idea that, that people, that farmers or anybody should get paid fairly. So, so how, how is e-commerce evolving that idea in reality in the real world is, is something that I look at a lot. And so, I mean, there are, you know, in the coffee world, the International Coffee um, Association, there are a lot of different organizations that look at women's equality, gender equity, all those things. And what we do as an e-commerce, in our e-commerce channel is to to further those goals. In addition, of course, to selling coffee. You probably do a lot with knowledge and, and knowledge sharing and education. Do you do a lot of drip emails, like monthly emails that are like, here's mm -hmm. some project that we're working on with the women? Yeah, absolutely. So Things getting like getting getting the world word out, um, getting the impact out. So as we sell more coffee, we're able to to create more women entrepreneurs who own their business, who are paid more fairly, who have more resources, who have more respect in their community. We also have the ability to create an ecosystem around these, these women, fund things like bee husbandry, fund things like additional harvests that complement coffee, mango trees, citrus trees, fund livestock projects and things like that. I always like to say every cup makes a difference because I kind of go to the, you know, the, the enjoyment of brewing a cup of coffee at home and drinking it, but literally every purchase makes a difference and we get that information out through uh, emails. We also get that information out through social media and, and events and things like that. Have you considered ever doing, or maybe you already do some stuff with uh, reoccurring orders, like subscriptions? Yeah. So we do have subscriptions on our website. They are, they're great. I, I love subscriptions because it's, you know, those people who subscribe to our coffee are our advocates. So not only the ability to manage the sales and also manage the income stream for the women. Our sales are really tied to an income stream of human beings and, and that's really important. So we like to be able to even out that income stream so that the women don't, for example, get paid 90% of their annual income in February, March, and April, and then have to go through nine months of, of not being paid. And so subscriptions are a way to even out the income stream. It's also a way to understand who your advocates are. And so I often use our subscribers in things like online forums or Instagram lives or Facebook lives or in-person events. I often bring our subscribers to in-person in the coffee world or in the the gender justice, gender equity world, and to be our spokespeople, to be de facto spokespeople for the cause. We really appreciate all of the subscribers and we have some really good subscribers. Can you share like some places that you go to learn or some topics, like maybe do you have influencers like Tom's Shoes, maybe this is something that's inspirational for you to like 
get some ideas about the future. So I love Tom's shoes. So we've always been an advocate of the, the idea of the triple bottom line, and that is the idea that caring for our people and caring for the planet is as important as caring for profits. And so Tom's Shoes is, is definitely one of those. Patagonia is another one that does this. There, I mean, the list, fortunately, the list is almost endless now of, of companies that have that idea and companies that do that. So the, the whole idea of giving back, and that's one of the ideas from the Cafe Feminino Foundation is that for every, you know, for every pound we sell, we give back literally give back to the women. So not only do we give back to the women farmers, but we also give back to women community locally, things like homeless shelters, you know, places where women go when they need support. And we give back also to those. Well, I appreciate your time and this incredible story of being able to give back. Uh, Also, thanks to you listening in today. If you have a chance, I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up, growth at user.com. Take care.